welcome back to another episode of Product Thinking. I am Kyle Evans. And this week, this month, we are reviewing the book, Calling Bullshit, The Art of Skepticism in a Data-Driven World. So the world is awash in bullshit, mostly the figurative kind, which is why it is critical that we're able to discern between fact and bullshit, especially as the bullshit becomes increasingly dressed in data, which is why this month we're reviewing the book Calling Bullshit by Carl T. Bergstrom and Jevin D. West. This is a book that really aims to equip us with the tools to critically evaluate data-driven claims and arguments that we encounter in various aspects of our lives, from our work to the news to the posts that we see on social media. So looking at Uh, this book, an overview. The book discusses the concept of bullshit, which are statements that are presented as factual, but are actually misleading, incorrect, or incomplete. The authors provide a framework for detecting and calling out bullshit, emphasizing the importance of skepticism and critical thinking. The book focuses on understanding data and the problems we see with it, namely how it can be manipulated so easily, and then how we can spot the bullshit. And it ends with tips on how we can call out bullshit whenever we see it. So as the book states, it is infinitely easier to create bullshit than it is to clean it up. And it's easier to create misinformation or to misrepresent data than it is to go back and help everyone understand the truth which is why learning to detect it and call it out is such a fun fun theme, which we'll explore more. Uh, There are several great takeaways from this book, but we'll focus on a, a few key concepts. So diving into it, some key ideas. First off is the abundance of data. Uh, The abundance of data does not guarantee its accuracy. The book highlights how data can be manipulated, cherry picked, or misinterpreted to support particular argument or agenda. The authors provide multiple examples of misleading statistics and graphs and explain how to identify such manipulations. Uh, In chapter two, the authors discuss the concept of data dredging or data mining, which is the practice of sifting through large amounts of data until a statistically significant result is found without a clear hypothesis or prior knowledge. And this is a theme throughout the book. They explain how this can lead to false positives and illustrate the problem with several examples. We can find spurious correlations to just about anything if we look hard enough. And the chart, which I include in this week's newsletter, uh, showing a correlation between brooding storks and newborn babies is a great example of this. As storks have decreased, there has been a correlated decrease in newborn babies, which aligns with the idea that storks may actually be delivering babies. And as the number of storks decrease, so do the number of newborn babies. It's a fascinating correlation. As the authors state many times throughout the book, though, more data isn't necessarily better. It is simply more. What we do with it is important. More data may give us more insights, but it can also increase our ability to find chance correlations. This will only increase as we incorporate more data 
into our work and lives. So we have to understand that and be able to spot the bullshit. And and that is so critical. So next up, another key idea is questioning assumptions. Uh, Questioning assumptions and biases is a favorite topic of this uh, newsletter and podcast. So it should be no surprise that I love this theme in the book as well. And there are ton of examples throughout the book. We'll we'll pull out a couple here. Uh, But for all of them, you'll definitely want to pick up the book and, and read it. The authors stress the need to be aware of one's own biases and assumptions, as well as those of others, in order to avoid being swayed by misleading arguments. And they provide strategies for questioning assumptions and biases, such as considering alternative explanations and seeking out diverse perspectives, which I think is absolutely critical. And one example I love, since it involves skiing here in Utah, and we're actually at the time of this newsletter and recording just coming out of the end of the ski season, even though it is April, (laughs) Uh, one of the authors in their younger days talked to people at Solitude Ski Resort uh, here in Utah about the best ski resorts in the country. Most of the people answered that solitude was one of the best for a variety of reasons. And that caused the author to reassess their perspective on ski resorts in Utah and in the country. So if you are, or even if you aren't familiar with resorts in Utah, Alta and Snowbird Snowbird tend to rank very high nationally as the best ski resorts uh, in the country and in Utah. If you're coming from outside Utah, chances are that you'll want to hit one of those resorts, or or that tends to be the place that, that many people go, Alta and Snowbird. For us locals, Solitude and Brighton are often the resorts of choice. But the subtle problem here that this author discovered is that you're talking to people about the best resort in Utah while you're skiing specifically at Solitude, and that will give you bad data. People who ski at Solitude are more likely to enjoy skiing at Solitude and more likely to rank it very high. The author hadn't considered that potential bias and that potential problem until their father pointed it out to them, which is why it's so important for us to constantly question biases and assumptions, our own biases and our own assumptions. In another example, the authors discuss how we can manipulate data based on our assumptions or biases about certain facts. Uh, In another example, and I put the chart in the newsletter and you can check that out, it is easy to see that different bracketing of wealth paints a different picture depending on how we want to present the data. If I believe, for example, that taxes are unfair to the wealthy, I can easily show that most of the wealth is concentrated in lower income brackets and we should focus on maybe slightly increasing taxes on lower income brackets because that is potentially where most of the income is is currently uh, focused. But if we adjust the brackets, just the bracketing slightly, that picture changes and it can change in a variety of different ways to where the most of the income is either on the poorer brackets, most of it may be in the middle class brackets, or most of it may be in the wealthy, just depending on how we bracket each of these categories. And of course, that can change 
where we may want to focus. Uh, taxing, taxing or tax policy. Now, understanding that, understanding that uh, people with different assumptions or different biases may want to present that data in a certain way in order to further their agenda or further their talking points helps us understand that we may need to dive further or question the underlying data, even though none of it is false. It's just the way that it is being presented is so important. And we have to understand that our own underlying assumptions and biases are important and then be able to question or challenge them when we're looking at data or news. It may be very easy for someone to look at the fact that most of the income in a certain chart is focused on the wealthy side and agree with that. But that, that may be a case of confirmation bias and I may need to challenge that assumption. It's easy to agree with information that confirms our beliefs. But if our first reaction, but our first reaction to anything should be a healthy dose of skepticism, especially if it's something that confirms uh, something that we already believe. So what can we do? Uh, in the final chapters of Calling Bullshit, the authors summarize their framework for spotting and calling out bullshit. They emphasize the importance of being skeptical, asking questions, and being willing to challenge assumptions and biases. They also provide a list of red flags to watch out for, such as cherry-picked data, exaggerated claims, and unsupported conclusions. And they stress the need to approach claims with an open mind, but also demand evidence and transparency from those making the claims. And here are some of the best pieces of advice from the book for spotting and calling bullshit. Uh, first up, be skeptical. The authors emphasize the importance of being skeptical of claims that seem too good to be true or that lack sufficient evidence. If anything seems too good or too bad to be true, it probably is. And they repeat that several times throughout. Ask questions. The authors suggest asking questions to clarify claims and to probe for weaknesses or inconsistencies. They also suggest asking for evidence to support those claims. And of course, number three, as we talked about, be aware of biases. The authors stress the need to be aware of one's own biases and assumptions, as well as those of others, and seek out diverse perspectives and alternative explanations. Just because we see an explanation, uh, doesn't mean that that is the explanation. And so we need to be aware of that. I can present with, I can present something to you that potentially could explain something that we're seeing, and it may do that in a in a way that makes sense. But that doesn't mean that it is the correct explanation, and we have to understand that. Uh, number four, check the data. The authors suggest being critical of data and statistics that are presented to support a claim and advise checking for potential biases, errors, or inconsistencies. As we dive further down into the data, we can see whether it's correct or not. They give an example of a news article that said that uh, there was a 40% decrease in uh, applications from foreign students to, univer to uh, American universities. And that was supporting the claim that during uh, President Trump's administration, that his rhetoric was causing a, de a decrease in 
uh, foreign student applications to universities. That sounds very plausible, well, given what we know about Trump's rhetoric and uh, during that time. But as they dove into the data, they actually found out that it wasn't a 40% decrease. It was a decrease at 40% of the universities that had seen, uh, that, that had usually seen applications from foreign students. But as they dug further, they actually saw that there was a corresponding 35% increase at other universities. And so ultimately, that was really just noise, statistical noise in the data. And there wasn't even really a story there, which is an important thing because while we may want uh, data to support certain claims, and those claims may make sense on their face, we need to check the data. We need to go into it and understand if what is being said is actually being supported by the information, or if, again, is it, is it just statistical noise? And finally, demand transparency. The authors stress the need for transparency in data-driven fields such as science, politics, business, uh, all the fields that many of us are in. And they suggest demanding access to data and methods and clear explanations of how they were arrived at. And that's something that, as we call out bullshit, is an important thing. We need to demand the transparency and demand better of people uh, so that you know, we can start to see less and less of the bullshit and more and more transparency and truth coming out. So overall, the book provides a valuable guide to spotting and calling out bullshit in our data-driven world and emphasizes the importance of critical thinking, skepticism, and the ethical responsibility of evaluating claims and making decisions, which is something that we all have. You know, we're only going to see more data, which means we're only going to see more, more bullshit going forward. We need to be ready to spot it, call it out, so that we can help others not fall victim to misrepresentations of data and their interpretation. So that is it for this week and this month, our, our book review, Calling Bullshit, The Art of Skepticism in a Data-Driven World, which, of course, we love uh, the idea of being skeptical, taking everything with a healthy dose of skepticism and questioning the underlying assumptions, which we always talk about here. So hopefully you like that. If you did, definitely go check out the newsletter at productthinking.cc. You can follow us on social media uh, at Product Thinking, just one T in the middle on Twitter and on TikTok. You can follow me as well at Kyle Larry Evans on Twitter and on TikTok as well. And until next time, keep questioning all those assumptions. <laughs>